Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. Chilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes David Horowitz, best-selling author, and the brand new book is Final Battle, The Next Election Could Be the Last. David, thank you for joining us today on the Chilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thanks for having me. I want to start with perhaps the most disturbing set of events that's taken place in modern-day America, which is the January 6th protest aftermath. And let's start out with what this was meant to be, and then we'll get into what transpired. So it was called Stop the Steal. What was this event all about? Well, I discuss this in my book, Final Battle. The next election could be the last. Um, And discuss the Stop the Steal speech. What Trump said was this. The election was rigged. And uh, you have to go to Washington and challenge the electors because the electors were illegitimately elected. The Democrats cried bloody murder over that, but actually the Democrats have done that in every election that Republicans have won since 1980. It's perfectly legitimate uh, grievance. Trump said the problem we have is weak Republicans who don't stand up for the integrity of the system. Therefore, you have to go to Washington peacefully and patriotically and stiffen the spines of the weak Republicans. And then he said, if you fail, you have to go home and primary them in the next election. Now, you couldn't have a more textbook defense of the democratic system than that. And the Democrats, who are compulsive liars, out of the box, called January 6th, an armed insurrection, that's what they called it. There were no arms. Not one arm was confiscated from any of the people inside the Capitol. So the Democrats just dropped the arm and called it an insurrection, which is treason. But they didn't explain how you can have an insurrection without arms. Obviously, you can't. An insurrection is an attempt to overthrow the government. Then they invented an, uh, another lie, which was that five Capitol Police officers were killed on January 6th. The actual number of Capitol Police officers who died on January 6th is zero. That wasn't enough of a lie. They actually took one, an officer named Brian Sicknick, and made him a martyr defending the Capitol. In fact, Brian Sicknick died not on January 6th, but on January 7th of natural causes, and he was an ardent Trump supporter. 
that didn't stop them. I don't know if your audience is familiar with the, the phrase Potemkin Village. During the Stalin era, they would take tourists to this ideal village as though it represented all of Russian villages and cities, which it didn't. So they staged a Potemkin funeral for Brian Sicknick. They honored him a rare honor, having his body lie in state in the rotunda of the capital, while they gave speeches about how he died defending the capital, which was a lie. That's that's the lengths to which they would go. Worse even, there was one person at least killed, which is Ashley Babbitt. Yes. He was shot and killed. It's all on video. You can see it's a cold-blooded murder. She's a five-foot-tall woman, 40-year-old woman, unarmed, bothering nobody, standing in a, a group of Capitol Police officers who were just milling around. She was murdered by Michael Byrd. Nancy Pelosi stepped in, concealed the identity of the murderer for two months, quashed the, any investigation, set him free, gave him a medal for defending the Capitol. That makes Nancy Pelosi an accomplice to murder. That's the country we live in now. The Democrats' behavior around January 6th really tells you all you need to know about them. But I, I actually have another view in my book based on the reports of two Washington Post reporters in the book. On January 2nd, four days before January 6th, happened to be the anniversary of the assassination of General Soleimani, the world's leading terrorist who is responsible for the, every wounded warrior you see on TV who was blown up by an IED. This, this guy was responsible for the Democrats criticized Trump for killing him, saying it was provocative. But then the security forces around the president went into action. The head of those forces is General Mark Milley, the genius who presided over the catastrophe in Afghanistan. Yeah. Milley called these meetings. Milley is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the president's military advisor and security chief. Milley held these meetings with security forces, called Trump Hitler, said his Stop the Steel speech was the gospel of the Fuhrer, and that his supporters were the guys we fought. These are direct quotes who we fought in World War II Nazis. So that's the state of this country. You have a treacherous party in the Democrat Party, which is systematically destroying our country and doing it by illegal means. Biden's destruction of the southern border is unconstitutional and illegal. He doesn't have the authority to change the border policy. Only the Congress can do that. He's the chief executive. He's supposed to enforce the law. And I would say the main thing our country is suffering from is there's no enforcement of the law. The streets of our cities especially our big cities run by Democrats, have been taken over by criminals because the Democratic Party looks on crime 
as reparations if you're black and a socialist redistribution of wealth if you're white. Our country is in dire straits. That's the message of my book. It's a terrible message, and it's all true what you're saying. Uh, I wanted to continue on the J6 protest because you bring up so many good points in the book and, and very detailed and documented. People don't know this, but President Trump was concerned for safety and security and had plans and prepared, tried to get National Guard troops. What happened to that request? I was rejected by the Democrats, yeah. It's in the Inspector General's report on their meeting. This is not something that Republicans made up. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the, the J6 political prisoners, whom some of them I've heard interviewed. Oh, uh, th- this is outrageous. They're in gulag-like conditions and being they kept... They killed as- people. Yes. People committed suicide because they just were ordinary citizens coming to exercise their citizen rights. And there were a lot of provocateurs. There was one police, a former police officer who carried a stick into the Capitol, which he never used, didn't strike anyone. Mm-hmm. He was put in the prison probably for a year, possibly in solitary confinement. And then he was tried and convicted, get this, of carrying a stick <sighs> in a restricted building, and they gave them seven years in jail. They're fascists. I don't know why the Republicans aren't shouting this from the rooftop, but this is what fascism looks like. Government is uh, politicized and not restrained by a bill of rights or anything. So we have these poor individuals whose lives have been ruined, as you reference in many ways, not only by prison sentences, but some of them who are just languishing, and they're getting poor legal representation and forced to make statements of confession or somehow recanting their political beliefs. This, again, sounds like something out of the Soviet Union or communist China. Or Nazi Germany. Yes. So what are we to do, to do about those individuals? I feel lost. I think there are positive developments. Republicans are talking much more aggressively than they have. They're not calling them liberals so much. Democrats are anything but liberal. They're vindictive bigots. When I came into the right about over 40 years ago from the new left, which I was the leader of, the first thing I said, I looked around and said, where's the ground army? My ex-comrades on the left, they had all these organizations to harass CEOs of corporations, philanthropic institutions, legislators, and get everybody on their, in their game plan. There was nothing on the right. But Trump has created the first mass conservative movement in our American history. I'm, I don't know how many people have attended his rallies, but it's got to be millions. That's a very positive note because most of this damage to our country was done because Republicans looked the other way. There's no other way to explain it. And some of that looking the other way, and you make a great comparison between the January 6th event and the Black Lives Matter, the BLM riots. Would you elaborate on that, please? Because this deserves uh, inspection. Black Lives Matter is led by criminals who don't give a damn about black people. They're Marxists. They're like thieves who steal from the um, charity baskets on on Sunday in church. 
That's their mentality. So they raised whatever, $100 million supposed to be to uplift the black community. And they spent it on mansions for themselves. That's pretty low. And they lie all the time. I actually did a book on this. I looked at every martyr, everyone that they said, like George Floyd, Mm -hmm. was murdered by police. And they all turned out to be, well, with a couple of exceptions, which were problematic. They, They said the police murdered innocent people. Without exception, virtually, they were all resisting arrest. They were career criminals resisting arrest. And actually, in some cases, firing on police. Like Breonna Taylor, who Oprah took out 26 billboards saying she died, you know, died in her, was murdered in her sleep, which was a lie. Uh, Breonna Taylor was an accomplice to the biggest drug dealer in Louisville. She let her use her bank account to, to stash his ill-gotten gains. He was, he was a heroin dealer poisoning the black community in Louisville. And she was his enabler. She rented a car for him, which a dead body turned up in. She was at home when the, and the police raided five homes that they thought were distribution centers for this drug dealer. She allowed him to use her mailing address, which is why they went after her. They knocked on the door. They announced that they were were the police with a warrant. And she and her boyfriend got up out of bed. It was after midnight. There were no lights. He fired at the cops and wounded one of the officers. And then there was a hail of fire returned by the police. And one of the bullets, he forgot to tell uh, Breonna to get out of the way. And that's how she was killed. You know, they gave her family like $12 million compensation for a wrongful death. What was wrongful was her behavior. It's a remarkable story, and there are so many others like it. David Horowitz and the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast continue in just a moment. Online at SchillingShow.com. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at News on Twitter. Chilling Show Unleashed. The Chilling Show Unleashed podcast. Our guest is David Horowitz, the best-selling author. The new book is Final Battle. The next election could be the last, and I want to switch our focus now to elections. 
you know, a lot of people have told me, David, they don't even trust the elections anymore and they're going to stop voting. And I encourage them not to do that. But people are upset. They have to vote, especially in Virginia. Yes, indeed. (laughs) I mean, Virginia has shown the way back. We have, in addition to Trump's mass movement, Mm -hmm. we have the movement of the parents revolting again. What's going on in our schools is worthy of the Nazis. Take little children, prepubescent and pubescent, castrate them, yeah. or cut off their breasts. I mean, what is wrong with these <laughs> liberals? <laughs> these are Nazis experimenting on people. Aren't just terrible? The groundswell among parents, the revolt of the parents, is another very, very positive development. What conservatives? I've allowed this to happen by, by minding their own business. They have realized they go, you know, they're creative people and constructive and hardworking. Uh, whereas leftists, as Michael Kinsley once said, live to bother other people. They're organizing and all they think about is how to tear things down. So now we're, we're getting to where it's not an even playing field at all because they control the universities and the philanthropic foundations and the IRS is their great enabler. Black Lives Matter is a charity, if you can believe it. These criminals who kill people and, and cause $7 billion in property damage and claim that property damage is not violence because you can replace the property like it's that easy. <laughs> but anyway, so I have some hope. People have to fight. They have to not be afraid of being called names. They have to call their enemies names. The Democrat Party is a racist party. Its official policy of equity is pure racism of the Ku Klux Klan variety. We're going to take from white people and give it to people of color. That's equity. As our late great friend, mutual friend, uh, George Putnam used to say, the one side is playing with the Marcus of Queensbury rules and uh, the other side is not. And it's been like that for a long time. So let me give an example of the stolen election in Arizona this time. Yes. The Democrats for First of all, they've been trying to steal and, and have been rigging elections for decades. Finally achieved one of their goals, which was to destroy Election Day and have people voting over a two or three month period. So voting starts in September when Election Day is in November. They have very advanced ground organizations. They're very organized. They've got the unions. They've got all this. So they turn out their vote during the September, October lead up to the actual election. And then on election day in Arizona, where all the Republicans, they like lemmings, they all do the right thing and vote on election day. On election day this year in Arizona, 60% of the voting machines didn't work. You think that's an accident? The wonder uh, we still have the means to win this battle. But people have to stop being afraid of being called names. Learn as much as you can about what's going on. 
my book, Final Battle, is a good guide. David, when we look at the example you just brought of the Arizona election, but also a lot of the anomalies in the 2020 election, you discussed this in your book, and uh, it went to court, but the courts wouldn't hear the evidence. Well, people ask the wrong question about the election, which is, was it fixed? Nobody can answer that because there never was an examination of the evidence. There was never an audit of the vote. But what you can say is the Democrats mounted a massive campaign to fix that election. In July of 2020, they sent out a task force consisting of 600 lawyers and 10,000 volunteers to change the election laws in battleground states and to do it illegally if necessary. So in Pennsylvania, the Constitution stipulates that the legislature sets the rules, the state legislatures set the rules for the elections. Just in Pennsylvania, to take one example, they took it to the Supreme Court, which is controlled by Democrats. The election rules, which were biased heavily against Republicans for the 2020 election, were illegally and unconstitutionally put in place, and they never did hear the evidence. And then Trump, I think he used Pennsylvania to stop the steel speech. As we consider going forward, uh, we see that, and you mentioned the, we can't be fearful of talking out about this, but we see that disagreement has become treason, as you point out in your book, and that any every time one of us opens our mouth, we're, we're told we're spreading the quote-unquote big lie. Yeah. We have to stop sanitizing our language. Yes. Joe Biden and his family have gotten rich taking bribes from the, our chief enemy, communist China. That's the reality. This spreading around of documents. How did he get the documents when he was a senator? This guy is a treacherous criminal, Biden. And people need to talk frankly about him. I can't get over how polite Republicans are. Don't be so polite. Not in a political war. As we see all of this, and you mentioned all of these entities that are under control of the Democrat Party are essentially arms of the Democrat Party, I want to talk about the media and particularly the attempts to reframe history and supporting uh, Biden and, and the Democrats doing so. It's all because of the takeover of the universities over a 50-year period by the communist left. I use that word advisedly. Since I grew up in the communist left, my parents were card-carrying communists. And this left, over a 50-year period, has turned our universities into one-party states so that students are no longer being educated. They no longer hear two sides of issues, controversial issues, and almost all issues are controversial. They get indoctrinated in Marxist claptrap. That's the root of the problem. I wrote five books about the left's takeover of the universities and the disappearance, the purging of conservatives, and explained how it was done. Uh, you know, and I had good contacts in the Republican Party, but they basically ignored, ignored what I said. Well, it's typical. John Boehner, when he was the Speaker of the House, uh, put in a a resolution based on, an, on a student bill of rights that I had drawn up. 
but he did it to annoy the Democrats. <laughs> he didn't put teeth in it. I mean, you know, it was a tit-for-tat kind of thing. And as soon as he got what he wanted, they forgot about it. The subtitle of the book, The Next Election Could Be the Last, where do we go from here? I mean, that's a very frightening prospect. Well, I think people have to pay attention to the election processes in their states. They need to stiffen the spines of weak Republicans in their legislatures. The state legislatures have the final say as to the rules of the election. They have to reverse these Democrats what are helpful rules to cheat with voter IDs are hugely important. There need to be more regulations requiring voter IDs, no unsolicited paper ballots. These are really easy to send out blank ballots to lists of people that include dead people and non-citizens and so forth. And you don't require voter IDs. How hard is it to stuff ballot boxes? Be vigilant. I think that's the best advice, and people need to wake up. David Horowitz, if people want to get a copy of your new book, Final Battle, or get in touch with you, the other work that you're doing online, how can they do that? Well, my website is frontpagemag.com, M-A-G, frontpagemag, as in magazine.com. And the books are everywhere, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Costco, Sam's Club, Books A Million, DJs, they're all over the place. It's very important information and very well presented. David Horowitz, thank you for your continuing efforts to save America. We appreciate you. Thank you, Rob. That concludes another edition of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.